Today's scripture comes from Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated him at Jesus' feet and thanked him, as he was Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten people made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. I uh, was born in New Jersey at the Pascack Valley Hospital. Dave, I sense there's a connection there. Well, were your kids born there too? Okay. I was born to a wonderful family. I was born into a, a wonderful culture where there was heritage and health care, human rights. I was born into a country that um, gave me a passport that allowed me to travel all over the world. Um, I feel like I hit the zip code jackpot. And it had nothing to do with me. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't work for it. Other kids born that same day in other parts of the world may not have had the, the, the privileges that I was born into. Um, I've been thinking a lot about um, passports recently. A friend of mine just got a passport, his first U.S. passport. He's from Guatemala. And it came with... A, a flyer that said, the world is now yours. And this person is, is a, a, a Christian, and he, he thought, you know, that is kind of arrogant, isn't it? That getting a U.S. passport somehow makes us think like the world is now ours. And there is a lot of uh, privilege that is insinuated in that message. And I grew up with that kind of privilege that I'm learning to question. And I'm learning to realize that that isn't necessarily beneficial to my maturity as a person of faith. I can tell you that I was very grateful for that passport in the 80s when I was uh, studying in, in Europe, studying in then West Germany, and went over to East Germany, that US passport got me into East Germany and got me back. And I can tell you, some of you have seen that border when it still existed. It was not a pretty border. It was filled with uh, automatic machine guns that would fire if anybody stepped into this no man's land. It was 
filled with barbed wire, it was filled with mines, it was filled with um, some sections with dogs that would attack anybody that was seen crossing the border, in addition to uh, an insurmountable wall. A Guatemalan poet described borders as the scars on Christ's body. Borders as the scars on Christ's body. Because the body of Christ is so much bigger than any country. The body of Christ is so much bigger than any culture, any language, any people. The body of Christ is a, is a global body, and these borders sometimes separate the body of Christ from one another. We are thinking a lot as a nation about borders. Recently this week, about the border between Syria and Turkey, and people throughout the world are praying for non-combatants, women and children, the Kurdish population who are being killed and sent away from their homes, fleeing. I'm so grateful that God has led Korean seminarians to this congregation over the years. And they have told me just how fervently Christians in Korea are praying for the border between North Korea and South Korea, that that border would one day not be there, so that families could reunite and churches could reunite. Our country is thinking a lot about the border between Mexico and the U.S., and churches are putting their money together to bail out immigrants who are being held at the border so that they can pay $1,000 for an immigrant to be released and reunited with their family. Churches are bringing large barrels of water out into the desert so that those who are making that desert crossing will not die of thirst with the imperative of Jesus to provide water to the thirsty. There are churches that are paying for legal advice and lawyers that are giving pro bono advice to folks who have been imprisoned at the southern border and who are now in Essex County Correctional Facility, Hudson County Correctional Facility, Morris County Correctional Facility, and lawyers are going in daily with pro bono work to help them be reunited with their families, their children, their parents. My family and I were recently in Northern Ireland, and I can tell you that they are very anxious about a no-deal Brexit, or a hard Brexit, which may result in border checks being placed back in Northern Ireland after 20 years of being borderless. And they're afraid that all of the work that was put into the Good Friday Accords by American diplomats, by Catholics and Protestants in Northern Ireland, that all that work to bring peace to Northern Ireland may be for naught if there's a hard Brexit. Please add that to your prayers. There are Christians who are praying for a way forward in Northern Ireland. Just this week, the Nobel Peace Prize was given to 
the president of Ethiopia, for the work that he has done to make the border between Ethiopia and Eritrea a safer border, a more peace-filled region. Borders are liminal space in our geopolitics. Borders are often harsh and unwelcoming. Borders are sometimes frightening and discriminating. On our way back from Europe this year, we went through customs at Heathrow, and it was a very gracious experience. We no sooner got into customs at Newark Airport, and there were people in uniform barking at us to get in that line, to get in the other line. Put your hands up. Have you seen this form in, in the airports? Some of you have had to make this. Every time I see this, I pray. Because who do we follow that looked like this? Some of you know I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. Have any of you seen the movie Blinded by the Light? You have Carol, you have Leanne. So there's this one scene where this young Pakistani man from Great Britain who discovers Bruce Springsteen's lyrics and says, this guy understands what I'm going through. And he finally makes the decision to go to, to New Jersey. And he's coming through customs. And he brings his passport up to the, the, a very large, gruff man behind the counter. And the gruff man says, what is the purpose of your visit? And this young Pakistani British man says, I am here to go to the hometown of Bruce Springsteen. And the countenance on this gruff guard changes. And he looks at him and he smiles and he says, I can't think of a better reason to come to the United States. And he stamps the guy's passport and gives it on. Today's scripture, among other scriptures, is Jesus standing at the border. You remember some of the things he does at borders, the border between Tyre and Sidon, when a Syrophoenician woman comes up to him and says, please heal my daughter. And, and he looks at her in one of his worst moments. It's almost embarrassing. He doesn't treat her very well. He refers to her as members of a tribe that are like dogs. And she says, yeah, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from, your, from the master's table. She persisted, and he relented. At a border place between Tyre and Sidon, today's border place is between Galilee and Samaria. Galilee, a place where the disciples were called to follow Christ. Samaria, a place where good and faithful and upright Jewish people at that time would not want to go because they looked down on the Samaritans as somehow impure, somehow less than, somehow unclean, somehow really not worshipers of Yahweh. 
and it is in this border region that ten lepers call out for Jesus to heal them. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests, because at that time it was only through a priest saying, yes, you're healed, could they be allowed to be in community. Only with a priest saying, you're now healed, could they go back to their husbands or their wives or their kids? They couldn't do that as long as they had leprosy. Once again, Jesus tells a story where foreigners, outsiders, and outcasts are the ones who get it. Because the one who comes back to thank Jesus is a Samaritan. I don't know if I should whisper that or not, but he was a Samaritan. And Jesus is lifting up this outsider, this foreigner, this outcast as the one who gets it. And as so often is the case in Jesus' stories and parables, it's the insiders, the faithful ones, the religious people who don't get it. Samaritans had no rights, no privileges, no passports, no respect, and after a while, they didn't even expect it because they were so beaten up and downtrodden and Samaritans with leprosy even worse. Jesus heals these people without asking their religious affiliation. Jesus does not ask for a passport. Jesus doesn't ask for an address. Jesus doesn't ask if they're religious people or not because Jesus has compassion for all people and calls his followers to have compassion for all people. This Samaritan is moved with gratitude. And I wonder if he is easy to arrive at gratitude because he has no rights, because he has no sense of privilege. Friends, most of us live a pretty good life. Most of us are pretty privileged. We can eat what we want to eat. We can go where we want to go. We have access to pretty good education. And I wonder if because we have so many privileges, if it's more difficult for us to be grateful. This Samaritan is so grateful that he, he shouts praise to God. He falls down at Jesus' feet and cannot stop with gratitude. When has that happened to us recently? When have we been so grateful that we shout praises to God and we fall down at the feet of Jesus, thanking him? This week it was uh, my good fortune and, and, and pleasure to spend some time with some brothers of Tezay. And they told me a little bit about how they have welcomed African refugees 
to the village of Teze, about 10 guys from Africa who ended up in Calais, which is in some circles called the jungle up in northern France at the coast. 3,000, 4,000 people trying to, any way they can, to get into Great Britain. They are living in squalor. The Brothers of Teze and other Christian communities in France have gone up to this tent city to try and bring some of those folks back to their regions so that they can care for them, help them learn the language, help them get on their feet. Before Teze, the, the community of the Teze brothers, about 100 brothers, did that, they went to about 150 to 200 neighbors, door to door, in Teze, in Ameni, in Kormatan. And they said, we're thinking of welcoming refugees from Africa because they are homeless. And we wanted to find out how you would feel about that. Across the board, and I think about 2% of the French population are church-going folks. So most of these visits were to secular people who don't have much interest or relationship with Christianity. Across the board, they said, yeah, we think that's wonderful. The brothers said, would you be willing to be one of the families that cares for them, will take care of their food and lodging, but would you be one of those families that gets to know their names, gets to know the names of their children back in Africa? Would you be one of those families that invites them over for meals every once in a while? And many, many families said, yes, we would like to help with that. To the point where when these refugees were resettled and were no longer living at Teze, these secular families would come to the brothers and say, can, can we help someone else? Can you connect us with an, another refugee because we want to welcome them into our home? Do you see the gratitude of even so-called secular folks thanking the Christian community for giving them the opportunity to make a difference? There's a wisdom there that I think is true for every church, but it's certainly true for churches in the New York metro area where there's a growing number of people who have no relationship with the church, who see the church as just a bunch of hypocrites or judgmental people, or people who hate gay folks, or people who deny science. This is the stereotype that we're dealing with. But those of us who have been out at the farmer's market can tell you, when we hand out buckets for hurricane relief, we're not asking if people are religious or not. We're asking, would you like to help? And so many people say, yes, we want to help. Maybe that's the new role of the church, to invite the greater community to help somehow, to be a face of compassion somehow. Whether we are in border spaces or not, I sense that each of us stand at some border, maybe not the kind that checks passports, but maybe we're at a border between 
the known and the unknown, the familiar and the unfamiliar, the comfortable and the uncomfortable. Or maybe we're standing at the border between life as we knew it as a healthy person and life as we're now learning, dealing with health issues that are hindering us, slowing us down, making us second-guess ourselves. Maybe we stand at the border with our families who are changing or growing or going through difficult times and we, we don't know where to go. We can't go back to the way things were, but we don't know what going forward looks like. Or maybe we're in a business or a workplace where what has worked in the past is no longer working and we stand at a precipice, a border, a liminal space of wondering, what will my job look like moving forward? We stand at borders in our culture, in our seasons of life, in our life transitions, and this passage may be instructive to us. Maybe we're invited to listen to Christ who says to us at this border place, go, go show yourself to God with whatever you're dealing with and trust that God is already at work in the healing process. I close with this from Steve Garnis Holmes, a Methodist pastor in New England. He writes, call to mind all your impurities, your flaws, your failings, public and secret. What distances you from God, from others, from your true self? What's disgusting about you? Show yourself to God. You are made clean, pure, whole acceptable, good, you're fine. Imagine all shame, guilt, and sorrow gone, evaporated. You are perfectly fine. Humility and gratitude dance hand in hand. Judgment has no footing, only wonder, tenderness, toward others flows naturally. Once you know everyone's secret, we all look different. Has anyone told you today that you're the beloved of God? You are. You are. You are. Amen.